Welcome to Two Open Doors, the podcast that explores our power to open or close the doors of relationship with the important people in our lives. We hope you'll learn from and share your wisdom with our community. Thanks for joining us. Once the members of a couple have been brought together by attraction for one another, they begin the process of becoming acquainted by interacting with each other. That can be a heady time for an intimate relationship. As we've discussed in prior episodes, new relationship energy, or NRE, can produce an almost compulsive need for the partners to be together. In that phase of a relationship, the hormones dopamine and serotonin can make the partners feel high around each other. Relationships don't develop in an inflexible and linear manner, as is posited in the popular relationship escalator model for relationships. Still, there is some regularity to relationship evolution. At some point, for some, but not all, intimate relationships, the tone of the relationship may shift from giddy delight in each other's presence to a growing desire to spend more time together and become a regular part of each other's lives. A desire to bond with one another can develop, driven mainly by the influence of the hormones oxytocin and vasopressin. The bonding phase of a relationship is characterized by the partner's desire to invest in their relationship, physically, such as by moving in together, and psychologically, such as by emotionally feeling that they've become a couple. Feelings of growing attachment can lead to growing commitment to one another. While feelings of attachment are involuntary, commitment entails making conscious and voluntary decisions. This episode explores how commitment plays into a deepening intimate relationship. In the thought-provoking article, The Psychology of Commitment, What It Is and How to Make It Last, by J.C. Black, the author muses on relationships in the 21st century and on how they are rooted in attachment style. I found one observation particularly thought-provoking a proposition that commitment can be approached through a person's focusing energy and resources outward or inward. Black cites his grandfather's perspective that commitment is about, quote, being more interested in the other person's happiness than your own. This is in contrast to the modern perspective that focuses on personal happiness. I see a position of self-focus versus other focus as being too extreme a polarization to be very useful. For one thing, I believe that each of us has a responsibility to ensure that our individual core needs are met, and thus a level of basic self-focus and self-interest that not only is appropriate, but actually necessary. At the other extreme, focusing too strongly on our loved one's happiness can become self-defeating and unhealthy for us if doing so compromises our own core needs. As usual, balancing self-focus and other focus seems best. Stepping back a bit, I see the question of self-focus versus other focus as having a lot of relevance to both monogamous and polyamorous relationships. Since polyamory can be seen as an extension of monogamy to include multiple couples, I will couch my thoughts in terms of poly. In thinking about the many polyamorous relationships that I've seen, I believe that I see the hand of self versus other at play. Here are a couple of specific examples. Solo polyamory is characterized by a very strong emphasis on personal autonomy, control, and independence. Many of those who practice solo poly claim to treat all partners equally. Those practitioners reject imposing a hierarchy of values on their relationships. Since every partner and every relationship is different, of course, it seems problematic to me to try to apply the same value yardstick in asserting the equal worth of all such relationships, but still, that's the ideal that many solo poly people strive for. 
I see solo poly as reflecting a very strong focus on commitment to self. In fact, solo practitioners sometimes state that they are their own primary partner. Though rarely if ever stated as such, that implies, to me, that everyone else, that is, all of their partners, are by definition secondary. That seems at least logically consistent. From a different perspective, I might position myself as being near the other end of the self versus other spectrum. Much of my delight in relationships comes from promoting the happiness of my partners. I'm able to vicariously experience a great deal of joy from my partner's joy. In asserting this, I don't mean to imply that those who practice solo poly are inherently selfish, in the judgmental sense of that word. What I do mean is simply that I feel much of my joy by indirectly or vicariously experiencing my partner's joy, rather than by directly deriving joy from what my partner brings me. I believe that many poly practitioners share this perspective. While it's not my intent to attach differing value to my relationships in a hierarchical manner, I see it as inevitable that I will value my various relationships differently. They exist in at least an implicit hierarchy. This has partially to do with the investments that I've made in some relationships, but not in others. I can't see fairness in trying to view my beloved wife of 20 years, Penny, in the same way that I would view a new relationship. Still, all of one's partners can be treated with respect, and time and resources can be allocated in accordance with what's negotiated with each partner. The preceding two examples set the stage for a reconsideration of how commitment plays into relationships. I believe that the depth of a relationship is reflected in the kind and degree of investment that the partners in the relationship make to each other. Commitment certainly need not be narrowly defined by how concrete that investment is, for example, in terms of the amount of time spent together, or joint living circumstances, or shared finances. Rather, it's perhaps best reflected in the degree of emotional connection or attachment that the partners feel for one another. As we've observed in prior episodes, we humans may, in theory, be capable of loving any number of people in an abstract way. However, Every person's emotional energy and availability are finite, just as their time availability is finite. That means that making a choice to focus is inevitable, and when we choose to invest in one relationship, we have less psychic and emotional energy left to invest in others. When two polyamorous individuals come together, they can be described as occupying different points on a two-dimensional space that's described by breadth of commitment versus direction of commitment. Here. Direction refers to whether an individual's commitment, that is, willingness to invest, is oriented more toward oneself or toward a beloved other. We can refer to a focus on self-investment, for example, on self-growth or personal evolution, as auto-polyamory, using the Greek root for self. A primary focus on investing in a beloved other might then be called allopolyamory, using the Greek root for other. Direction of investment obviously exists on a spectrum. A given individual has aspects of both orientations, to differing degrees. The other axis of our proposed diagram can be labeled breadth of commitment, in reference to the number of partners to whom one makes commitments. On that axis, those who prefer to commit to a very few close partners can be referred to as practitioners of narrow polyamory, as has been described in my previous posts. Conversely, those who prefer to have many but generally less deeply connected relationships are practitioners of broad polyamory. As for commitment direction, commitment breadth also exists on a spectrum. 
The distance that separates partners in our hypothetical diagram has implications for the likely long-term compatibility of those partners' intimate relationships. For example, two people who practice broad poly each have potentially many partners and thus are likely to be adept at the time juggling and allowance of psychic room that each partner's relationships require. In contrast, consider the case of a couple in which one partner is strongly oriented toward broad autopoly, while the other practices strong narrow allopoly. In such a combination, the broad poly partner is likely to chafe at the narrow partner's desires for more time and commitment, while the narrow partner is likely to feel starved for a closer connection that the broad partner is unable or unwilling to provide. That's a lose-lose situation. The large distance in polystyle differences translates into a significant misalignment in relationship goals, and thus ultimately foreshadows a probable large emotional separation between the partners. From this, we can conclude that compatibility, and therefore relationship longevity, is probably increased for partners who share a similar alignment in commitment style or preference. In addition, relationship stability benefits from a high degree of reciprocity in the amount of commitment from each partner. This makes intuitive sense. If one partner invests heavily in a relationship while the other withholds investment, the high investment partner is likely to eventually feel taken advantage of and not appreciated. In addition, the investing partner will almost certainly run out of energy at some point since the energy is all flowing in one direction instead of being offset from the other partner's side. We can summarize by observing that we can have abstract love for many people. In that sense, love is infinite. Despite that, Deepening a relationship entails making some form and degree of commitment to the relationship. Actualized love requires commitment, at least on the plane of emotional connection. To learn more about Two Open Doors and to engage with our community, I'd like to invite you to visit the private Two Open Doors Facebook page and the Two Open Doors Meetup. I also invite you to contact me directly by writing to me at claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, at twoopendoors.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'll use your inputs to guide my work on future blog posts and podcast episodes. Thanks for visiting Two Open Doors.